Y'all know what Young Guns is? Hey, well, you made it. If you don't know what Young Guns is, basically what's about to happen is we're about to go into a few short messages, five people or so. And these people serve in a lot of areas of our church from 412. They're just always the most hype. They're the most fun to call out. Real life. Okay, I see how y'all coming. Elevation. Kid life. Let's go. They made it. Hey, these people serve everywhere. I'm telling you, we, we not only want to celebrate them for serving like they do, but let me tell you, they have a word from God for you tonight. Well, they've got a word from God for you tonight. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time up here. I want to introduce the first speaker. This person uh, is the life of the party. Loves being there. He's always smiling. I just gave it away. Shoot. He's a man of many names. I'm talking about Titus Babino, everybody. Get up here. Shoot the shot. I'm coming in. What is going on, everybody? How y'all feeling tonight? Yes. I'm good. You know, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. It's all good. So if I've never met y'all, my name is Titus or Quincy or whatever you're just feeling in the moment, I'll probably still answer to it. That's fine. But I've been going to Elevation for two and a half, three years now. Um, and these have been some of the best years of my life. I've made some of my best friends in Elevation. I'm not going to call y'all out. Y'all know who you are. Uh, I've gotten connected in the church. I found a home in Elevation and in NLC, and this is where I found Christ. I found Christ after the stand. Shout out to the stand. Go in the fall. But one thing that I've realized is that the closer and more connected that we come to the Lord, the more that the enemy is going to attack us. And that was me in 2019, early 2019. I was dealing with a lot of doubt in my heart. And I felt that the Lord had called me to leadership, but because of the doubt that was placed there, I was never able to reach my full potential. And so I thought that God had made a mistake. I thought what he was wanting me to do, leadership, wasn't right for me. So I turned away from him, and I allowed the enemy to place doubt in my life. And I wasn't allowing God, I wasn't allowing God to show me the plan that he had for my life. So... Tonight, what I want to talk to y'all about is trusting in the Lord and not letting doubt consume you. So, I've only got one passage of scripture that I want to show y'all. It is Proverbs, five, five, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and always submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Ooh, that's fire. Ooh, man, let me tell you. Who talking about that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> All right, so for me, this passage seems so clear for what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to trust in him and trust in the plan that he has for us. But it's so difficult for us to apply this to our life. It was so difficult for me to apply this to my life. And I was leaning in my own thoughts, my own opinions, my own ideas, and things like, you're not good enough, or 
no one's going to listen to you, began to creep into my life, and I began to live a life that I created, not one that the Lord was calling me to or one that the Lord was in control of. I wanted control. I wanted to do everything the way that I wanted to do it, and I didn't give the Lord any space to do what he had to do to come and save me, literally save me. I was doing a lot. And it's not that I wasn't shunning evil and turning my back away from Jesus, but when you turn your back away from Jesus, you turn your face to the enemy, and that's exactly where he wants you to be. In places when he's allowed to put shout, shout, put doubt and shame and insecurities in our lives. So we have to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. He will make our path straight. But how do we do this? How do we trust in the Lord? There's only one thing that I want to share with y'all, and it's that we have to know that God is beyond our full understanding. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. I don't have it up there. Sorry. It says, for my thought, my thought, look, y'all, give me some grace. It says, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We are not going to always know where God is taking us, but that isn't his goal. God isn't sitting around saying, oh, well, oof, I hope they know what's planning because it's about to be a big one for them. You know, that's not what he's trying to do, but we have to trust in his plan and trust that he is above us, trust that he knows what he's doing because I know, I know, I don't know what I'm doing. Every day I have to wake up and say, I'm trusting in the Lord that he's going to take me to where I need to be because otherwise if I put myself in those positions where I'm leading, I'm going to find doubt in my heart again. I'm going to find shame in my heart again. None of that is in the notes. Good Lord. Look. And by fully seeing and understanding that God is always with us, there's no room for doubt when we have a heart full of Jesus. For me, trusting in the Lord hasn't always been an easy process. I told y'all, leadership was not an easy thing for me to come to. It was difficult having to take that doubt, remove it from my heart, and put Jesus back in there. But I bet you, I found my community here. I found Jesus here. I bet you, if you're not in a community, you are not living in your full potential. There's no way. Get in a life group. Shout out to life groups. But even still, there were times when I doubted the Lord. And I, like I said, leadership was tough. But I knew that the, the God that we serve is good. The God that we serve knows what he's doing. And he knows that there's nothing that can stop him. And we just have to trust that he's going to guide us to the path that he wants us to be on. But that's all I've got to share with y'all. Thank y'all so, so, so much for letting me come up here. Thank y'all. It is seriously such an honor, but I've got my friend, Rachel Rainey. Yeah. I'm feeding the meter. Uh, they got the iron while I got the steamer. I bring the fire, but you never seen her. I testify, I don't need a subpoena. They want my son to go How's it going tonight? Good. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Rachel Rainey, and I'm a freshman at UCA. And so I'm just going to dive right in then. Okay, so I want to start with a question of where is your faith? And as you think about that question, I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about my life and a part of my testimony. So I grew up in a Christian household where both of my parents were present. And I grew up knowing who Jesus Christ was, but it wasn't until I was older that I really began to understand the character of the Holy Spirit, the personal relationship you can have with Jesus Christ, and what it was like to truly make my faith my own. 
So, and I say this as a part of my testimony because I'm currently in the midst of what the Lord is teaching me right now. Um, as I said, I grew up with a great support system and a very strong family, but it wasn't until trial came that I was living in what I see now as a compla complacent faith. So starting in my eighth grade year until my senior year of high school, I entered into a season of what I would call death and loss. So in eighth grade, I lost both of my grandparents three days apart on my dad's side of the family. And then in 10th grade, I lost my home church. This was the church I grew up in. This was the church I was baptized in. And this was the church that taught me how to have faith. And during this time, I started to question the foundations of my faith because how could the house of the Lord become so broken and so divided? And then in 12th grade, I lost a mentor of mine who actually helped me with those prior losses and she died of cancer. And then two months later, I lost my great grandmother and I lost another great mentor of my life who took the role of a grandmother, especially after the loss of my own. And so the support system that I once saw as constant, a comfortable, and a guarantee was something that was less assuring, assuring and challenged in ways I could have never imagined. And through this time, I grew in two ways that I wasn't so proud of. I grew in anxiety. And I grew in anxiety because I began to place everything on my own shoulders instead of giving it to the Lord. And when something went wrong, I had no solid ground to stand on. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. And then the second trait I grew in was pride. And I grew in pride because when good things actually happen, I attributed them to myself and my own good doing instead of actually rejoicing in the Lord and choosing to see what he was doing in my life. These two traits had sprouted from an obsession I created with, with wanting to have control over everything. And it wasn't until my senior year between moving to college that I actually realized that there was no possible way that I could have had control over the things that life throws at you. The only thing that I can actually have control over is my personal relationship with the Lord. The church was not my faith. The church is a mere vessel to community of fellow believers to walk in your faith with. My mentors, they were not my faith, but rather a source of support to grow in my personal faith. I'm the only one responsible for my faith. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that, the, that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Guys, men will fail and people will fade away, but the word of God and the character of the Holy Spirit will always be constant. So as I reflect on what the Lord has done in my life then to now, and the difference that I see is my prayer life. In times where I could become anxious and afraid I, and put things on my own soldier, so, soldier, soul, shoulders, <laughs> I, will, I will find myself in prayer and giving it to the Lord. Prayer is the key that unlocks faith in your lives. Prayer demonstrates our reliance on God as we humbly invite him to fill us with faith and power. There is no substitute for prayer, especially in circumstances that seem impossible as, we experience, as I experienced much myself. So as I end, I want to ask you again, where is your faith tonight? Is it in a job? Is it in a relationship? Maybe it's in someone else or school? And as you see, I'm still involved in the church maybe more than ever before as I'm an intern in a new life. But as I close, I just want to encourage you to solely seek out the Lord and make sure that your faith is your own because your personal relationship with the Lord is more important than anything else. So...
Now that I'm done, I'm going to welcome Bailey Pierce. Catch my vibe and find my way. Yeah, I know, I know I'm ratchet, but I'm really safe. Hot sauce dripping. Everybody want to start dipping. First, nobody want to listen. Now everybody pay attention. What's up, Elevation? How y'all doing tonight? Oh, man. It's, it's really happening. I'm up here. I'm up here right now. All right. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Bailey. Or, or, you can call me Jack Black. Each, either one works. Hey, it's up to y'all. It's up to y'all. All right. I am the production leader for Elevation. I'm also on staff here at New Life. But real quick, just side note. It's been about two years since I've been outside of that booth for an Elevation service. Can we please give it up for my team back there holding it down? All right. Super excited to share with you all tonight, so I just want to dive right into it. So a little bit of backstory. Uh, I grew up serving anywhere I could in the Methodist Church back in Heber. And uh, so I served production, children's ministry, our leadership, youth ministry, uh, and recycling ministry. Bet y'all didn't know that was a thing, huh? Every other Friday, go there at 10 o'clock at night, pick up some recycling, you know, whatever. One of the creepiest things you'll ever do is go to a church super late at night by yourself creepiest thing I've ever done in my life. Don't, don't recommend. 10 out of 10, wouldn't recommend. So starting in seventh grade, all I ever wanted to do was work with the, the youth, though. That was my main focus. And I knew, I knew I was going to be working with the youth in the church, no matter what. And that's, I knew I was going to speak that into existence. I was going to do that. But so every summer, I served as a camp counselor at our kids' camp. Uh, I was also a babysitter, so not to toot my own horn, but Kids kind of love me, you know? Hey, hey. You know, anybody from Heber here? I'm pretty sure there's a couple. Yeah, they were Heber gang. I'm sh- they can attest to that. All the kids love me. But uh, so I did that every summer, served, babysat, whatnot. And so that was from 7th to 12th grade. In my beginning of freshman year, the opportunity finally came for me to take that position as a kids' youth pastor. The current one was stepping down. She's going to teach elementary kids again. So her and her assistant both came up to me and asked me to apply for that position, which that just blew my mind that they came to this 18-year-old kid to apply for that position, but happily I obliged. I was like, absolutely. This is my position. I'm taking it. Whatever. So I applied, got called in for the interview. So the way that church worked, they had a board of members to interview, and it just so happened the majority of the board where people I had babysat for. So I thought I, had a, thought I had a little gateway. I'm like, oh, I got this. No problem. Best interview I've ever had, hands down. Thought I nailed it. I was like, cool, cool. A couple days went by, I got a call. Hey, didn't get the job. I was like, dang. Found out who they gave it to, gave it to. And I was just kind of in that moment, I was kind of really broken because the person they gave it to, I didn't really think deserved that position. Um, I never saw them serve anywhere else. I never saw him on Sunday morning services. I, I was so angry and upset. Like, how come this person got the position and I didn't? I hadn't seen this person serve anywhere else. So, like, here I am serving anywhere I could. Like, I thought I had earned that position. Like, I thought that was mine. And everything leading up to that moment, I was so sure of. But now I was doubting if I even wanted to serve anywhere else anymore. And it was just a huge part of my life where I was just doubting everything I had ever done. Like, everything leading up to that moment, I was like, I worked so hard for that. 
and then it just crumbled in front of me, and I didn't know what to do. I was just broken. Like, I was in that position where I was like, yeah, sure, I, like, I still want to go to church, but I was so hurt by not getting that position. I was like, I probably won't serve anywhere. Uh, I don't want to invest my time in something that's not going to work out in the end for me. So at that point, I just wasn't sure what God had in store for me. But so at this point, I was still a part of Elevation. I would hang out before services, after services, help clean up, but mostly hang out with friends. Because what freshman wants to go back to their dorm and do homework on a weeknight? Like, Thursday night, like, hey, Friday's the next day. Like, why? Just, what's the point? But at some point that semester, Pastor Amir had asked me to serve on the production team. He said there was a need. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm one of those guys that if I have the capability, the resources, and time, why not say yes? Now, if someone asks you to serve and you know you can do it, what's your excuse? Like, if there's a need, if there's a need, just go after it. You know, you never know what opportunities that door, like, the door that you just open will give you. So, but all the while, I was still having flashbacks back to that church where I got burned. I didn't know what was going on, what was going to happen. Didn't know if I really wanted to stick with it. I was like, ah, well, they'll find someone else sooner or later. It's, it's fine. So, but thinking about this, I go back to Colossians 3.23. This is a verse my stepdad gave me about my junior year. And it's just stuck with me ever since. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for your human masters. And it's just, that's like a, a mindset that I, have, like, I go into every day whenever I go to work, whenever I have elevation stuff. It's just something I go in with, like, hey, this isn't just for me. This is for God. Like, but you know what? Like, God didn't call me to be a doubter. He called me to serve. He called all of us to serve. He didn't call us to be doubting what we're doing, what season of life we're in. And finally clicked that I was actually serving myself in, throughout this entire season. I was trying to satisfy my need by being liked by those around me. And I was trying to satisfy their needs. I was trying to find my identity in what others thought about me rather than what God thought about me. I was being selfish, and I didn't even know it. I quickly started realizing how much I had missed serving and wanted to dive right back into it. I wanted to get back to ser- serving God and being selfless rather than serving myself and being selfish. Pretty soon, that doubt was non-existent. You know, it was like... Every week, it just progressively got less and less and less to the point where it was just gone. And I was, so later that semester, I was also interviewed for leadership, and I made it on. So, so I was so happy that I said yes to serving, and it brings a different kind of happiness to my life. It has filled that hole that I was trying to fill by doing what I thought was best for me, like what I thought was best for me. I didn't listen to the voice of God. I was listening to my own conscience. So sure, like, I still have those rough days every now and then. Like You're all going to have those days. Don't sing Hannah Montana, please. Don't go into that song. I just thought of that. Dang, really shouldn't put that in my notes, Justin. But the feeling I get after each service makes it all worth it. Like, at the end of the day, I know where I'm at, where God wants me to be. I know I'm doing everything for him, and that just it fills that hole, and it's just the best feeling in the world. I, I highly encourage all of you to listen to the voice of God. Figure out what, like, if you're serving him, awesome. If you're serving yourself, take a step back figure out what's going on so but like i'm just gonna like application so like we're all college students we're all college age i'm not in school but we're all college age we're we're in that season of our life where we're trying to figure out what we want to go to school for or what we want to do career-wise we're always doubting if we're hey maybe i don't want to do this major anymore or maybe i want to go to a different career so you know you just gotta like who are you serving are you serving yourself are you doing what you think is best for you or are you serving god and doing that. So that's all I got for y'all.
but, but, hold on. We still got a couple more. Chill out. Y'all, who's next? Y'all know who's next? My boy, Austin Canada. Turn me up, turn me up, turn me up. What's up, y'all? My name is Austin, for those who don't know me. Turn me up, turn me up. <laughs> Woo! Uh, but a little bit about myself. Um, I go to school at Baptist Health studying radiology. Your boy finna graduate, so turn me up. Uh, but also, I just get a privilege to serve in 412. This is our middle school ministry. Turn me up! Yeah, 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 yeah! As y'all can tell, we get hype, but the most important thing is, like, we care about the soul of a middle schooler, and we want to lead them to Jesus. That's the biggest thing. Uh, but tonight, I just want to hop in as well. Um, God has really just been teaching me just how to be aware of my insecurities, and just really just give it to him. Um, I, I know we don't really supposed to have a title, but the title of this message is Not Today, Devil. <laughs> All right. So last year around this time, like, I never really just knew just how far off I got with God. Like, if I'm going to be honest with y'all, like, I'm going to be straight up. Like, I was walking in my insecurity of just not being enough. Like, honestly, just like low-key hits. <laughs> <laughs> like, I never really knew I could really be enough. Um, but this was a struggle for me and something like I just low-key, like, continued to walk through. Um, like, can y'all ever, like, relate to that? Like, honestly? <laughs> like, I found myself in a dark place, like, searching for approval, relying on my own ambition, um, put in, like, basically mm, unrealistic expectations for people to meet that only Jesus can do. And I was believing in a lie that I was not enough. And this, until, like, God has really just made me aware of my struggle that I was going through. I was letting my insecurity define me, but not God. I lost sight of the gospel. I lost sight of who Jesus was for me. In the gospel, like, for some, like, this can just be a story, but to me, like, this is life. This is life-giving. Like, Jesus laid down his life for me. Like, Jesus is the Prince of Peace in the midst of the storm. He's the calming of the storm. He's wonderful. He knows our needs. The finishing works of Jesus, like, I know that I don't have to be enough, but I know that he is enough for me. He satisfies. And also what God's been, really just been teaching me is, like, what surrounds us is often is what's within us. When I was in my insecurity, I was not able to see what's going on. I was just surrounded by the lies of the enemy, telling me that I'm not enough, telling me I have to measure up, telling me that I have to be a certain way uh, other than what God's calling me to be. And the devil's just been continuing just to put this lie on me until like, I became aware of who Jesus was for me. In my insecurity, I knew, that, I knew that Jesus was enough. I knew that I was like, dang, not today, devil. You're not finna come in my house. Like, this is, I'm a child of God. I'm in Christ. Like, in, in our insecurities, we can easily just grow weary. It's easy to lose heart of who we are in Christ. Jesus died on the cross. He endured the cross for us. In the midst of him, him, ah, in the midst of him enduring the cross, he dismissed our insecurities. Whatever we lack, Jesus fills. And this is something that we have to remember in our daily walks with Christ. And I also want to share this verse, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 10. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And a God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself will restore you and make you strong, 
firm and steadfast. Something that really just hit me out in this verse is be alert, be aware. Like, guys, we got to be aware of the insecurities that we're carrying us because the devil is attacking us at every single moment that we just allow him to have room. The devil is feeding us lies, telling us that we're not enough, but we got to resist him and stand firm, not in ourselves, but in God. The devil can't take away the promises of God. The devil can't take away who we are in Christ. We have to know that we are connected. In our insecurities, we have insecurities, but insecurity doesn't have us. When you find yourself questioning God's promises or who you are in Christ, say like, not today, devil. Identity, not today. Your worth, not today. Your confidence, not today. Your purpose, not today. Your security, not today. Your doubt, but remind yourself who you are in Christ. In Christ, you are chosen. In Christ, you are holy. In Christ, you are set apart. In Christ, you are loved. In Christ, you're not condemned. In Christ, you are sought for. So I want to ask y'all, what insecurities that you need to let go tonight? What's holding you from your potential for what God's calling you to be? Because we need to recognize the insecurity and give it to God. Psalms 139, verse 23, verse 24 says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. Now, this was a bold move by just praying this out right now, saying, God, search me. Like, we got to be willing to make those dangerous prayers to grow in our walk with the Lord. Next thing is reject the lie and replace it with God's word. We can continue to easily say, I'm not enough. I would not measure up all these things. But you have to know in turn and like know who is God is for you. God is love. God is patient. But most importantly, he's a father. He's your heavenly father who loves you. It doesn't matter if you are in doubt or not. He's willing to meet you where you're at. You are not alone. You're not enough, but we have to be alert because the devil is working. But you also know that Jesus is working as well. You are who you are because of Jesus, who he is. If we continue to walk in our insecurities, we'll continue to miss the good works of Jesus in our lives. But he is enough, and we are enough through him. But I want to turn y'all up because my girl Rachel is going to turn me up on right here. What is up? What is up, Elevation? (laughs) How are y'all doing? Are you doing good? Are you having a good night? Yeah, me too. Hey, can you guys give it up for our peers who just preached the word so good? (laughs) Hey, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is Rachel McIndoo, and I'm a sophomore at NLC College. Where (laughs) a... Hey, so when Justin sent us his vision for this evening, he sent us a super simple question. He asked, what has the power, love, and grace of God delivered you from, and how does he give you the strength to remain free from it daily? And I kind of just stared at that text for a while. It wasn't that I couldn't think of how the Lord shows up in my life, I can. What got me was that word daily. It was a gut punch. I think I immediately felt like a burden. I think I immediately felt unworthy, and so I whispered an apology, and I thanked the Lord for being patient, And I asked him to turn my attention toward what he wanted me to share with you guys tonight. And over and over again, I felt the Lord asking me to share with you about my struggle with feeling worthy. And the reason he had to tell me over and over again is because I kept telling him no and trying to pitch him an idea where I could be funny or share a story or in one way or another be shiny. But I felt the Lord asking me to consider that this isn't about me. 
And someone in this room needs to hear from God about their worth tonight. So if I need to stand here and reveal to you that I'm not as confident, as unaffected, or as resolved as I might have wanted you to think in order for you to know that God sees you, that's worth it to me. Tonight, I want to eliminate our belief in the lie that we are unworthy of the freedom God has called us to. I struggle with this daily. I want us to leave the word unworthy at the foot of the cross tonight and never pick it up again because that's what freedom looks like. But if we want to walk in freedom, we have to walk in truth too. They're mutually dependent. So let's find the truth tonight, yeah? The question is, am I worthy of God's love? Am I worthy of being chosen by him? And initially, the answer was no. The Bible is clear in Romans when Paul writes that the wages of our sin is death. And that doesn't sound to me like I'm worthy of anything. Not the Lord's love, not his time, not his grace, and I'm certainly not worthy of being chosen by him. And if Satan had his way, that's where this verse would stop and I would live a life of shame. And if I'm being completely honest with you guys, I choose to let this verse stop here on some days. I choose to walk in shame, enslaved to the decisions I've made that I'm not proud of. I choose to let my sin be the predictor of my intimacy with Christ. And the reality is that it doesn't have to be. Because the verse goes on and we're given a gift. It says that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, we're reassured that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And the old has passed away and the new has come. And that doesn't mean that I don't still mess up, I do. And shame sits on my shoulder daily and tells me that I'm simultaneously not enough and too much all at the same time. But scripture says that the new has come, meaning that even when I do the things I hate, the new has come. Grace has come, my worth has come, and so my story, my potential, and my purity doesn't get thrown out the window when I fall short of the glory of God. Not too long ago, I was in a relationship, and I allowed some physical boundaries to be crossed, and I just let it go on for way too long. And so finally, I ended the relationship, and I remember driving home, and I remember this vividly. I pulled onto my street, and I was like, God, it's over. And I'm so excited to finally spend time with you again. And I just remember him asking me, who told you that you couldn't be near to me when you were hurting? Who told you that you couldn't come to me if you brought your imperfections with you? I wish you would have come to me. I wish you would have rested with me. I wish you would have sat with me. I wish you would have spent time with me because then our hearts would have been aligned and you would have had clarity and I could have saved you from so much hurt. And I remember pulling into my driveway and parking and I was just broken and I was like, Father, I didn't think you would want to spend time with me if I didn't even want to spend time with myself. I felt filthy, I felt dirty, and I felt so unworthy of being near you. And I just remember the Lord shaking me in my car and saying, you're worthy. I died so that you could be worthy. When did you learn to reject my grace? It is available to you in abundance. Elevation, do you believe this for you? I feel like Jesus wants to ask you if you trust him. Do you trust him? Do you trust that this scripture is true? Jesus, 
fully knowing every mistake I would make, hung on a cross, lungs collapsing, holes in hand, fully capable of saving himself, he looked at me and called me worth it. And if we can't make this personal, if we can't believe this for ourselves, if our sin still feels too heavy, can we consider the Roman soldier who looked into Jesus' eyes as he stabbed the Savior? And how did Jesus respond? He said, Father, forgive him. He knows not what he has done. Jesus called this soldier forgiven. He called him worthy of eternal life. And you are no different. There is nothing that you can do to undo the love of God. It's unconditional. We have to learn how to walk in this truth daily. And as I close and as the keys come up, I just want to share a story with you guys. Luke was given a vision. It was not Luke. It was John. John was given a vision about what worship looks like in heaven. And in Revelation 4, he writes about this group of believers that's seated in thrones next to Jesus. And they're all wearing these crowns, and these crowns are adorned with jewels. And these jewels represent the good works and the faithfulness of the believers while they were on the earth. And he writes that, that these believers keep sliding off of their thrones and falling on their faces and throwing their crowns on the ground. They didn't feel worthy of the gift. And this happens over and over and over again. And we have to ask ourselves, how did they have the chance to keep throwing the crowns down? Well, it was because someone kept picking them back up and putting them back on. And my breath catches as I envision Jesus picking up my crown and looking at me with his eyes of fire and saying, I want to give this back to you. I died so that you could be worthy of it. Please consider receiving it. Elevation tonight, Jesus is standing in front of you holding your worth and saying, I want to give this back to you. I died so that you could be worthy of it. Please consider receiving it.